mm, chapsticks for different places. Oh, yeah. I one for the yeah, office. I took those away everywhere. Oh, I one thought you meant car. like different places on your body. <laughs> Scotch. Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 194 of Coffee with Butterscotch, the game dev comedy podcast of Butterscotch Shenanigans. I'm Seth, and I'm the Gaines programmer. Ooh, I'm Adam, and I'm a decrepit old man. I'm Sam, and my back hurts. And this is a show where we talk about life, business, and working in the games industry. Today is March 11th. 2019. Shockingly correct sounding. It's just a regular day. Yeah. day just a regular day after Mario Day. It's just mm-hmm. a regular Monday. Uh, before we get started, we have a warning. There's going to be profanity. Uh, maybe there's going to be curses flipping around. Mm-hmm. Like, like flipping wombats. curses. So don't. Uh, you're going to need to step aside. You know, watch Practice out. your defense against the dark arts. They're coming. They're coming. Uh-huh. They're coming for you. We'd also like to thank our supporters over at moneygrab.bscotch.net. If you'd like to help support the podcast and keep our mic juice flowing, you can head on over there and then we'll grab your money. Moneygrab.bscotch.net. Let's get on to the news. It's Daylight Savings. Oh, God. The worst Have day. we figured this out yet? Nope. No. None of us know why this happens. Mm-mm. My wife was explaining to our niece over the weekend what Daylight Savings is. Her, my, our niece is in, is in India. Mm-hmm. And uh, this this eight year old the whole time was like, I don't understand. <laughs> what do you mean you changed the clocks? Why would you all agree to have less sleep? Why, why would day? you do this? Mm-hmm. So and and of course we're like, I don't know. Nobody knows. literally I mean, nobody wants this. We know nobody why it was. No, we don't. Don't we? It was no. a farm related thing. Was no. it? No, wasn't. That's the that's Wait, the myth. It was actually a golf related thing. A golf? Yeah, I'm not even kidding. I, 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 is that right? It is. It's trying to read your face. Spin us a yarn out. I can't. Yeah. Like I can't remember the details, unfortunately. But I have to go look this up. You mean but like was, two two people were golfing and they were like, you know, what would really fuck people up? No, it had to, it had to, <laughs> we need to win this tournament. What if we change the clock? Yes. No, I swear it, had, it was it was some weird sports related thing. Yeah, because I I remember of you know if things. you think about farmers like they're oftentimes tending to animals who don't fucking use clocks. Far- farmers don't so give a fuck about it. They don't care what time yeah, it is. They use the sun. The sun comes up and they're like, I have to work now. Yeah, and that's mm-hmm. you know, it's time. Right. It's time to get my stuff done. And, and it doesn't matter if you're moving it ahead or backwards because they're just working the whole day. You know. So people die though. I mean, daylight savings time. It literally kills people. It kills people. This one. This this one that just happened, which is the one where you lose an hour. You lose an hour. People. people wake up and they're like, oh, crap, I'm late. They're also tired. Mm-hmm. Then they rush yep. out the door, drive Car like crazy. Rates go up. Car accident rates go up. Mm-hmm. Heart yep. attacks go up because mm-hmm. of people panicking. That's also just on Mondays, things. though. It's actually the most common day for people. Yeah. Is, right. it, is it relative to a normal Monday that this is true? That's all Mondays. All Mondays have a higher rate. Yeah, no, of heart that's attacks. true. But then is the, 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 is daylight, the daylight savings sa- Monday even worse than yes, that? Yes, I believe okay. so. We could, we, we'll find the horrible statistics. Yeah. So, I mean, this, this, is, a, this is murder. And yet, this every year we're like, okay, let's just we got it. We all have to do this. Do We've this. all agreed that this is one of those. You know, this is just the way we do things. Mm-hmm. This is how we do it, and people will die. <laughs> but we must maintain the tradition. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, it is true that nobody wants it, though. Nobody. I haven't yeah, heard I'm, anybody advocate for daylight saving time ever. Not this one. Everyone advocates for the other one. You know what this, you know what this reminds me of? Uh-huh. You know what this reminds me of? This reminds me of those bugs in the game where they always kind of like. They're just minor enough and they happen infrequently enough that they always kind of fall down the Trello board. Oh, well, yeah. thing is it happens – it only happens once in a bad way every year. Yep. Yeah. You know? So it only happens once. So everybody gets 
pissed off and outraged by it, you know, a few days ahead of time and then the week after. But then the next time you get an extra hour mm-hmm. and now the, now the sun's coming like up earlier. And it feels balance. Like, yeah. And you're like, this is great. <laughs> and then all of a sudden you just, it's all is forgiven. I guess on you the other forget. hand, you know, we we're talking about, you know, balance in, in video games, how you need, you need the shitty stuff to make the good stuff feel better. Mm-hmm. And so this might actually just be sort of a video game balance problem. Where Maybe it's, it's, it's one the of The only reason to have daylight savings time is because the horribleness of the one direction Makes mm. the other side feel really good, but also the other side feels good anyway. But the only way we can have it is by having the horribleness. Maybe it's a shared experience thing too, you know? Yeah. Like when you have when you have people who go through a terrible experience together, all complain, them, you know? So like all of us react, maybe this is just a giant ploy. Yeah. This is a conspiracy by, by, by conspiracy. the lizard people. By lizard people to make us all <laughs> more bonded together. Yeah. Wait, why, why would they want us to like be what more? They were. Yeah. <laughs> You don't know what the lizard people want. That's a good point. They're lizards. That's yeah. true. We can't we can't cast can't, our own feelings on can't. them. Yeah, cut that out. <laughs> they got cold blood. We yeah. don't know. We don't yeah. know what's going on in there. <laughs> on the creepy brain. Uh, this past weekend, we announced. Well, on Thursday, we announced Levelhead uh, is going into early access in April mm-hmm. on Steam. When in April? Just April. We do have a specific day that we're intending to do it on, but it's best to keep those. It's things best to, to wait until you know. Notably, well, the two things. One is it is happening in yes, April. Yes, that's correct. So that's that's unlike a, back in November when we said it was happening in November, but we kind of just had to at that time for sort of political for, reasons, right. I guess. Uh, that wasn't completely our idea necessarily. No. Uh, so, so this time, this is us legit announcing. Yes, this is happening. It's coming to level. It's coming to Steam early access in April. We released a trailer. If you haven't seen it yet, go check that out. Pretty great. It's got a lot Sam, of Sam and it. Fat Bard really uh, went hard really on that trailer. Really fun. So uh, let's talk about early access. Yeah. Let's talk about why. Why? We should first say that we've known we were going to do early access since November. Yeah. So Adam apparently has been listening to the podcast from like months ago. Yeah. I like to – because I, I like to kind of just see what we've – like our thoughts on stuff and, kind of, and yeah. see how just even three months later. Because we can't change. remember anything. Yeah. And so it's fun. It's fun to go back and listen to those. Um, and I also don't want to listen to it right after we record it because I was just there. Yeah. You know, that's really boring. So I, I want to have forgotten enough that I could be like, oh, yeah, that's why we're doing this mm-hmm. now and that kind of thing. Um, so I just hit just hit in the November episode where we came back and we told everybody that was listening to the podcast about this big news item that we had that we couldn't share with anybody. Mm-hmm. And that was – that was it. That was it. That was it. it was and the then fact. we didn't. And we, then we, we didn't. owned up. We mm-hmm. owned that one. Yeah, we did. So, so we had, was... the reason we decided to go to early access was we had had a pretty lengthy internal discussion about the type of game level it is and uh, really the the sort of power that comes from the game like this, which is all about the community. Well, I want to give a shout out to Hopfrog. Yep. Uh, who is a developer who we met uh, in Uruguay. And we had been kind of just keeping an eye on what this guy was doing. Is and that a company name or a handle? As his uh, company name, okay. uh, but it's just him. And then he's What's got a game called? game called Forager, yeah. which we met with him and, and he was so pumped and he was like, I stole so many things from Crashlands. We were like, great. Yeah. <laughs> we stole uh, tons of things from other people too. Yeah, so it's, it's just how, <laughs> how it works. Uh, and we went, so I, I was on the uh, the Game Maker podcast called Obj Podcast, mm-hmm. which is, uh, it's, it's hard to say and spell, but mm-hmm. uh and I, so to catch up, I started listening to that podcast and he was on the episode before me and he started talking about what he was doing with his game, which was he, he was going into early access and he had it up on itch and he was like, yeah, you know, the game's not even close to done and it's broken in all kinds of ways, 
but there's still enough stuff in there that I've been able to, you know, grow this community. And he ended up with like 80,000 steam wish lists. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, just from having his game up on itch, like a small, at that uh, time demo. we had, I think 300 yeah. maybe. Yeah. So we, we looked at that and we were like, wait a minute, <laughs> you can do that. <laughs> yeah. It goes to the whole thing we've, we've talked about, which is people cannot care until they can play it essentially in a yeah. lot of ways. And so the question that immediately came out of, out of Seth uh, wrapping up his podcast episode with uh, the object podcast was, was can, can, can we do that? Can we because do this that? game seems perfectly fit for, it's not like Crashlands where we had this long narrative to spool out. Yeah. It was, this game is, is all about playing content and also this, this churn of just infinite variation of content created by this user, this user base. So can we get to that part sooner rather than trying to do it all at launch and have that whole yeah. weird thing? Happen? So we started looking We started looking at all these different games that have been doing early access. Mm-hmm. So we looked at – and some of the games that we loved playing, so Kerbal Space Program or RimWorld and uh, Slime Slay Rancher or yeah. Slay the Spire. We're like, shit, these are all in early access. Like, and they're all doing great. Mm-hmm. And these are the kinds of games that – that are Subnautica. built Subnautica. And these are these are the kinds of games that are largely built on um, interactions between modular components of a, of the game. Yeah, so crafting games or I guess the card game in that one yeah. case. Yeah, or, or building games, yeah. you know. Cuz cuz the idea here is if you have a game that has a, a hundred components and each of those components can interact with like most of the others, then all of a sudden you've got, you know, hundreds of thousands or tens of thousands of different ways that you can combine all these different things. Or if you have a roguelike where the experience can be different Every time, times that if you add new content, people are guaranteed to always get to experience yeah. it. So, really- yeah. So there's this thing where, you know, if in a story driven game, adding new content takes away from the early access experience because now it's spoiled. Mm-hmm. And if you change the story, people don't want to have to go through the first 10 hours of the story to get to the new part that you changed, right. even though they may have gotten past it or whatever. So we're looking Which at a level ahead of the crash lands, right? Because every time we put out a content update. And then we add some new stuff. Like you basically, a player either has to go back to experience it yeah, or they don't get it. to yet. And so it doesn't even matter that we put it there because they didn't know what it was like to not have it. Yep. yep. Yeah. So the incentive on us as a developer for a story game is like, well, it's done now. It's, that's it. Right. And, uh, and so with Levelhead, we started, we started looking into like, okay, what would this look like? Um, and we, we just decided, yeah, I think, I think this is the kind of game that it would work for. Um, and the one kind of, kind of catch to all that was we were planning on doing our normal sort of simultaneous launch thing. It was going to be, you know, PC, Mac, iOS, Android, and switch. But, uh, then we started, when we started learning about DevOps and about this continuous delivery, we thought, okay, if we do the early access stuff, then that means we can really rapidly develop the game and continuously deliver, you know, a smaller updates and be really responsive without having to worry about compatibility issues across a large number of platforms, without having to worry about, um, you know, sort of making sure that we are constantly adhering to all the different terms of different platforms. And like, if we keep it in one place, then we can do really, really well in that one place, grow the community there. And then when we launch a full 1.0, then that's when we, you know, blast it out uh, to all the other platforms. So it all seemed to make sense. Yeah. Um, and then Mario Mario Maker happened. Yeah. So, I so, mean, our, we didn't actually have a timeline. We just yeah, thought yeah, we, we were just going to, we were still going to do it until we thought it was basically like felt done. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Which I think we, we always, we tend to overdo it, I think, in terms of what we, what we believe to be the requirement of quality before it goes out. Um, we tend our good, to, yeah. Our good enough bar is, it's actually very high. A bit higher than, yeah. And so we, <laughs> when, the, when the Mario Maker thing hit, we basically just had this, uh, this really long meeting where we looked through, where the game was, all the priorities in the game, and then just sort of removed 
everything that wasn't absolutely required. Well, because when that came out, we, we looked at when we would need to have the game out mm-hmm. in early access uh, to get ahead of the Mario Maker launch. Yeah. And it basically meant it had to be out in April. That was, mm-hmm. And that's why we're going to do it. It's yep. just what has to happen. Yeah. Um, so we saw that and then we had to walk that back and ask, okay, well, this, if this is to be out in April, but we need to get it into the public's hands for at least an alpha test at minimum, mm-hmm. right? Then when does that have to happen? And so, you know, we were working we're like, this backwards. But then there's GDC mixed there's in GDC. there. GDC. Yep. So we worked this backwards and basically that meant that the alpha had to be this last weekend. Yeah. It was the only the option. Which was that, like three weeks. That was three, three weeks. weeks. Yeah. That was three yeah. weeks after the Mario Maker announcement. The Mario Maker announcement were just like, Oh no. <laughs> and so, that, so that meant we had, well, because we thought we had like, we were, we were kind of thinking middle of the summer was when we were going to do yeah, kind of early access yeah, launch. So. Well, we were actually aiming for around June. Around June. Yeah. Was the comical part. We saw that. We were like, shit. <laughs> and so now listen, we had to basically, things. we suddenly had three weeks in which to decide, okay, what do we, what do we either scrap at just a thing we're not going to do now or back burner or just or reprioritize or convert into a new thing yeah. or whatever so that we can make. So that in three weeks, we can actually have the game in nearly the state we wanted to be in for our early access. Launch. Well, that's been one of the most interesting ones because we, you know, we've talked a lot about how um, – it's the, the Leonard Bernstein quote that all you need for greatness is a plan and not enough time sort of a thing. Right. So <laughs> yeah. we suddenly had that happen uh, and, and essentially what happened was that it did convert actually a few of our plans into other things. So for example, um, when you boot up Levelhead for the first time, you are treated to this, this sort of uh, employee corporate – uh, presentation. presentation about like your role in the company and what you're about to do. And that thing actually is sort of the boiled down essence of what was originally going to be this longer form dialogue based story, almost kind of similar to what we had in Crashlands where a lot of characters talking and that sort of thing. And we actually had the art for the dialogue system was in and actually the dialogue system is in, um, was in, I guess. And then uh, we had the characters done, that sort of thing, but we didn't have the story written and no, nor did we have really a total understanding of what the story was going to be. And it was going to require quite a bit of, you know, verbose work to do to put together because there's going to be every single level you played in the campaign. It was going to have a lot of people talking before it. It's yeah, here's this or whatever. And then you go in. Um, Which it might still eventually. We don't actually know. It may still, yeah. We might still have pieces of it. Not right now. (laughs) Yeah. uh, But it it shifted the focus in this really big way where it's like, okay, how can we deliver? Because that was going to increase our – it was going to increase the difficulty of translation. It was going to increase the time of actually getting this thing out. So then the question was, okay, how do we we still really get people into the world that we're trying to build, really make them feel like they're in this place and they're taking up this role but without having to do that? Like what's the sort of equivalent? And so we just storyboarded this – presentation and then just built it and yeah people loved the hell out of the thing which is so fun and yeah, like, i love it yeah we had this this is during our one of our brainstorming sessions we have we have a section this is not a spoiler because it's literally the first thing that happens mm-hmm. but um but where you get you get to no absolutely not do not spoil yeah, too much of a spoiler yeah. all right all right fine. it is the first thing that happens but it doesn't mean it's not a great time that you don't yeah. want to spoil all right yeah. all right i won't <laughs> it's say super good. it's super good but yeah so we like we we converted a few of these things that were going to be more monumental projects, I guess, into just sort of like what the bare essence of it was to deliver what mm-hmm. we needed to deliver. And that, I mean, you know, that's, that's what you got to do sometimes yeah. when you're working on this creative stuff. And actually it's good. Like I'm totally happy with how it turned out. Um, I'm not bummed at all that we scrapped the dialogue system. I'm like, this is good. And people really like it. It seems to fit with the tone of the game. And that was actually one of the major requests we got from the alpha was people were like, I want more of those. Yeah. And do more like, oh, of that. Okay. <laughs> so that's one of the nice things about doing the alpha too this weekend is you get to see – yeah, we, we learned. To. Yeah, we learned about what made people the most excited, and also what what we had the most fun seeing, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and and one of those things was just the the weird, complicated shit that people came up with. Yeah, uh, yeah. So we have this system in Levelhead that's all about switches. 
So, so some items in the game are receivers. So they, they listen to sort of signals. Mm-hmm. And then some items are switches, which send signals. And the signals, it's binary. It's either just on or off. So you may have a lever, and when you flip it, it's on. And when you flip it the other way, it's off. Or you may have a proximity sensor that, if, you know, if a player comes near it, it turns on. If a player mm-hmm. leaves, it turns off. So you, you assign numbers to these things. And then the receivers who have the same number will now listen to whatever the signal is. So you may have like a big inflatable block that, you know, when the player comes near, then it inflates or when an enemy comes near, it inflates or when they collect a number of coins and inflate, you know, you can do all right. these different things. Um, and people started, especially this, this one, this one guy whose handle was nine J O A O six, which is, I don't even know. It may, I think he's a robot or something. Uh, <laughs> he started making stuff. Work. Yeah. He started making stuff that actually made us, rethink our entire strategy on like what actually we need to be focusing on in the mm-hmm. game because we and how we, we're going to deliver content early early access and yeah because we kept thinking like this is a platformer and when this guy got his hands on the game we're like oh shit this is like an erector set like this is yeah. a toy that you can do all kinds of crazy stuff with yeah. um so this guy made first he made a calculator mm-hmm. where he figured out how to use inflatable balloons attached to different pressure plates to create a numerical display. So you could like step on different pressure plates and then the same, the same uh, like area would change what it's displaying to show the number. Yep. And so then you would, you could do math, but you could say like nine plus three or something. And then once you hit flipped a switch, after you put the numbers in, you'd go to the next room and then it would, it would give you that number of enemies to fight. Yeah. So you'd be like, you'd be like nine plus three. And then you go in the next room and like 12 enemies fly in. And we're like, what? And this was one of this was the first thing that he did. Then he went on to make some kind of weird pseudo Tetris game where like randomly things inflate mm-hmm. inside like while you're dodging bullets and it like stacks up and then you escape. He made a three in one arcade game sort of style yeah. thing where he made a recreation of Space Invaders. He made a recreation of the Donkey original Kong. Donkey Kong mm-hmm. and one of the original Mario games. Uh, all in the same level. So you yeah. would like you'd like flip a switch to and then change you hop in a barrel to travel to that arcade yeah. game. Yeah. Uh and I mean, the the stuff that was coming out here, we were just like, "Oh shit!" Yeah, did not realize that we that we had something like yeah. this. Um, so that started making us think, like, what else can we do with this with this mm-hmm. system? Um, so we have now, like today, we have to go and have a discussion of of trying to figure out like how we can really blow the lid off yeah. of off of that whole thing. And we should probably pause the podcast right now because it is currently a wind tunnel uh, in here because our AC just <laughs> kicked on. <laughs> Okay, we're back. We just had a weird moment. The air conditioner. The turned air conditioner on. just turned on full blast. Uh, we had to stop, but we're back now. Mm-hmm. Okay, so anyways, what were we talking about? Switches. Well, I think just the general outcome from the alpha. Yeah. So we were which... we were thinking about the game as like as a platformer. You make levels and people try to beat them, mm-hmm. and you and have sort the- of a platformer first, and then a level sharing. Th- editor thing second but kind of equally was kind of yeah. yeah, kind of equal we're, 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 yeah and, and, uh, and we're just thinking about these switches in the context of like oh people can use these to make interesting levels for the people to beat but what we saw is basically you can you can make contraptions basically yeah you can make, so you weird, can make weird, weird toys yeah. and also those toys are also very shareable things right people like seeing they're like what the fuck yeah <laughs> how did this happen and so so part of it is sort of exploring that that angle of the of the game, I mean, that was more. the case in things like Kerbal Space Program with the with the mod scene there that kind of introduces these kinds of components mm-hmm. as well because um, they have there's there's some big robotics mod um, which is one that was that's so like complex and you do such crazy shit with it that 
I, I added it once, then tried to play with it, and I was like, this is beyond my my skill. Take it away. Right, you know? <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, what uh, you end up doing is you end up sort of like turning – you can hotkey uh, different servos. Yeah. So you sort of like – you build your robot with little extenders and benders and things, mm-hmm. and then you you can, for example, like I, I hotkeyed my numpad and I made a, a rover that could like walk around and stuff, and you had to like control its legs with different <laughs> keys, you know. All this stuff, which yeah. you would never – like the creators of Kerbal Space Program never intended for this because they didn't put it in the game. And then somebody did anyway. Well, so so I think was, the alpha was super interesting because it was essentially a crash course in early access, which is exactly what we were intending to also test our dev processes, to test how we are Feedback able – system. Yeah, how we're able to continue getting work done in that environment. Um, which was we weren't yes. at first. Yeah, we weren't at first and then <laughs> – and then we got – I think it was, it's also weird because it, it was a time-limited thing. It was yeah. just over a weekend. And so, of course, we're not normally working on Saturday, Sunday um, as like full work days. But it kind of – I had the feeling like it I kind of felt, felt like I was supposed to because it was time-limited. And, and it was definitely a – It was a little much. Yeah, but it was yeah. much. It was we got to figure it out, uh, figure that aspect out. But I think it was – to me, it was really good because we got to see – one, the game's got legs. Uh, it definitely has some legs to it. Um and then two, that the the approach of early access will give us – it'll just give us a ton of design ideas. Like we had plenty of interesting feedback from people where it wasn't even necessarily that we would take the exact feedback that people gave us. But it sparks a discussion about a thing that then leads to you know, a design change or yeah. something like that. So it's been super interesting. I'm, I'm so excited to actually get the thing into early access for real so people can – like a wider audience can play it. We'll see what happens there. Yeah, it's going to be good. And it was, it was also kind of cool seeing like once once we had enough people in the pool, then they were able to you know talk on the Discord and kind of compare notes. And you start already started to see these kinds of like cu- cultural ideas start mm-hmm. to emerge. Mm-hmm. Uh, so one of the one of the first things that that I made when we started the pre-alpha was I made this. I had this dumb idea for a level that had package a, jump panic called package jump panic, where we have a, there's a move in level head called a package jump where you you throw a package onto some spikes. And then you jump off the package while grappling down and you pick the package. So you basically use the package as a platform. You pull yourself you, up by your own bootstraps. Right. Yeah. But then you but then you shoot your grapple down and you bring the package with you and then you have to throw it down again on the next set of spikes, right? So so you're kind of like carrying in this this platform with you to keep yourself from dying. And if you mess up the throw or the even landing or whatever, even dead. once, then you're, yeah. you're dead. Mm-hmm. And so throughout the campaign, we employ the package jump sparsely. You know, it kind of happens every few levels, maybe once. It's it's a hard move, but it's also one of those core moves of the game. It's like a very interesting differentiator for the game. And right. so it's actually the hardest thing to teach because it's a very hard – it requires pressing three buttons simultaneously, right? Yeah. So it's a weird move to teach. And so actually that was one of the biggest challenges with the campaign was that one of the levels called package jump test in the campaign – uh, it happens pretty early on because, again, this is one of the core things you need to know how to do. And it was it was just this sort of ramp of difficulty of these package jumps and to the point where like people can't figure out how to do it just to start with. And so we had to trap them in a little hole in the ground basically. Where the only way you could get out of it was by successfully performing this jump, yeah. which is not a lot of fun. So we ended up having to like – We reworked actually. That and rework it. Yeah, we reworked the entry of the campaign and a bunch of stuff. Um, but yeah, your package jump panic level essentially becomes this – meme i guess yeah well package that, jump panic was a level that was only made of spikes mm-hmm. like there was there was nothing to stand it was on. you your package and spikes and spikes uh and so you actually start the level on spikes but standing on your package on the spikes and so then immediately you have to start like th- like hoisting your package up and jump to the next thing and throw it down and land on the package and that's how you navigate the entire level 
And so several people in the in the in the test or in the alpha saw that and they were like, oh, that's kind of a goofy thing. Let me let me try my own spin on it. Mm-hmm. So then somebody else made their level called, you know, like zesty package jump panic or mm-hmm. something. And then, and then some people started like taking that package jump panic as like a style of level and then attaching their own prefix or suffix to it. Right. And, and they got abbreviated to PJP. And it just became, <laughs> then, then it just became PJP levels, yep. you know? And so then, and then they started talking about like, well, you know, it's a rite of passage. Uh, like you gotta, you gotta build and publish your own PJP level. And that's like, <laughs> that's what makes you a true. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So it's, it's kind of cool. I just seeing like just over the course of the weekend, how some of the, uh, like the language of the game mm-hmm. started to grow and evolve and, and people started like having these shared experiences that well, we, you know, we were, see, cause that, cause that came out of, they didn't come out of the campaign, right? They came out of a level that you shared. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, you created, like, I was right? just like, Hey guys, try this. And then that was, yeah, and so you can see how had you been had you been some other rando community member instead yeah. of one of the developers, right? The same outcome would have happened, and I'd be like, "Damn, that's awesome!" Yeah, except yeah. now now that would have been an an origin completely completely outside of what we actually intended yeah. for the game. Yeah, uh, which is really cool. Yeah, and so just it just kind of goes to show that with these games that are all about you know community and about creation and stuff, you know, they they just kind of take on a life of their own in a way that is pretty remarkable in a way that, you know, with something like, like Crashlands, everybody goes, goes through it and has the same sort of handcrafted experience that we intended them to have. And with something like Levelhead, we have like, we have no idea what's going to happen. Yep. Really. <laughs> so it's kind of awesome. Uh, so that, yeah, that, that all happened. And yeah, we have a lot of work to do now to kind of parse all the feedback and figure out what the next, figure what, out our priorities for the next couple weeks, basically. Cause that's yeah, all we got. Cause we have, so. cause we have, what is, this is like March 11. We got a week got until a week GDC, of, and then we have and then and the GDCs were just toast. Yep. And then after the next week, it's April. Fuck. And then <laughs> now we so, got to figure. out. So we have something on the order of a like a couple, a few weeks of two to four full yeah. work weeks, basically. Yeah. yeah. Um, and that I mean, that includes we have to like make new trailers, have to build new levels, yeah. test everything. I mean, we're still we're still in it. Like we're but, still right in the thick of it. Well, then once we're done, now we're just in early access, which is just more of the same. Yeah. <laughs> but, well, so. but you know, early access, I feel like we're going to have a better sort of life balance. Oh yeah, yeah, I think I think once it's out cuz we'll still be we'll still be pumping content into there, but it but won't, we can do it, it won't Monday be the mad Friday. rush anymore, yeah. Yeah, we can do it Monday through Friday and we yeah, it'll be much it more own terms. terms. Yeah, yeah, instead yeah. of making sure like well everybody's about to lose access to the game, so we got to make sure that we get this patch in yeah. like now. Yeah. Um there'll be a little bit a little bit more time. So, uh I'm excited about that. And then otherwise in terms of uh, other GDC stuff, we do have our GDC meetup mm-hmm. on March 18th at 4:30 p.m. So if you are going to be in San Francisco on I guess next Monday. Yeah. Coming up. Uh, yeah, come mm-hmm. on over. And where where do we have information about that? Do we I think we do. We'll just be meeting at the Yerba Buena Park. The Yerba garden Buena area. Garden. Um, we'll probably meet in the little mall thing and then just, I don't know, find a spot to hang out. Let's yeah. See. Hopefully it'll be nice outside. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe like, I don't know, tweet at us or yeah, something. Yeah, just keep an eye on our Twitter. We'll, we'll, that's we what do we'll, use Twitter during GDC, yeah. so unfortunately. Yeah. But. So, <laughs> and we are <laughs> at Bscotch Shenanny. Mm-hmm. Because yes. that was as many characters. That as was as been. far as we could go. And uh, we also, I tried. I want, we wanted to get at Bscotch at some point, but some somebody already has that. Mm-hmm. And can't, can't. Yeah, there was a band I yep. think called Butter called Butterscotch. Yeah, I think it's a solo artist. But yeah, they yeah. also own Bscotch.com. So they own Bscotch.com, and their their logo is like a glass of scotch or something. No, like that was a different one. That was a different one. There's a bunch of them. There's a bunch There's of things like things, that. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So we were late to the party on the that. The shenanigans is really what sets us apart. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Everybody's got the butterscotch, mm-hmm. but we have the shenanigans. 
All right, let's get on to some questions. These questions come from our listeners over at podcast.bscotch.net. So if you'd like to get your question onto a future episode, go there, ask it. Maybe other people will uh, vote it, you know, give you their thumbs. And if so, then here we go. Did I use a thumb icon on there or was it an arrow? I can't remember. I think it's a thumb where okay. the end of the thumb is kind of mutated to be shaped like an arrow. Nice. If I recall correctly. Is that right? No. <laughs> I was like. Weird. That would be kind it's, of awesome. fucking it's a weird. Thumbs, <laughs> thumbs up vote. Thumbs up vote. That sounds like an icon name. Yeah, probably. Mm. Apparently, there's an icon for a flaming dumpster fire in that yeah, icon which, library. Okay, I want to. I want to find a use for you that. Gotta one. figure it out. Like, it's got to be in a, a just exactly appropriate use. I think you, you could know? use it as a delete button. You could. I think it's well, more it's, about it's for more like a delete tool. and report. Exactly. You know? like, <laughs> yeah. Like this Get is this, out this of is here. garbage, <laughs> and also we need to burn it all down. Yeah, we have to sanitize the, yeah. the fact that this even happened. Yeah. Uh, all right. First question comes from Angry Muffin. Will the Viru be making an appearance in Level Head? Mm. Currently, who, yeah. so who are the Viru? So the Viru are the floaty head guys so that are the villains in basically all the other the games. only villains that we yeah, the only ones we have in all of our adventure games. Uh-huh. And we don't know yet. I think the the story for Levelhead is something we actually still need to f- hammer out. Probably I'll spend some time on that today and figure out what the what the overall sort of narrative arc is. Because all we needed to do is get that first one done, which yep. we did. And then that was about as far as the site went. So now that that worked and sort of proved itself, it's sort of asking that question, okay, what can we what can we do? How do we want to do this? Um, we've talked about a lot of different potential things that we could do in Levelhead to sort of enhance that feeling of adventure and story. But I yep. think – we we don't know how to integrate all these. Yeah, things. we don't so know yet. And actually, we're, we're not. We're, our focus right now on the campaign of Levelhead is more in the in the mechanical and teaching sense, yeah. as well as unlocking content. And we'll be kind of like figuring out the story later on in yeah. early access. Yeah. So, our right, next question comes from Dep Voodoo Pokul. Hey guys, would you ever consider doing a behind the scenes look at you guys making the podcast? At least maybe once. I hope I see it sometime, unless you have, and I look really, really dumb. <laughs> ha, 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 ha. You don't look dumb, because we haven't done it. But Plus, I we don't, don't even know, know what you look like. That's true. Probably not dumb. Though. You look good. Probably not dumb. You, you look, look good today. You're, you're looking good. You know? Yeah, good for you. <laughs> no, I think uh, that would be boring. So, probably not. I mean, it, it's well, just us sitting in a room. Yeah, but is, is that less boring than just listening? It's a good point. You, right? know? you know? You know what I mean? Because, like... If that's boring, then know. also just listening should be boring. You know what I mean? It's true. I think if you can see people's eyeballs and their, no, and their human faces true. while they're talking, I think I that's think always more engaging. I think what it is is that this is a, it's a ratcheting problem, right? It's like mm-hmm. if ratcheting you're, fidelity. If you're going to show video, the video has to be entertaining. And now we have to wear makeup. Exactly. And then we have to do that effects. thing. We have lights. We do yeah. that thing that YouTubers do where they like cut every, it's, every, every time mm-hmm. they would have paused for even a split second. They yeah. cut the video Yeah, because people can't. People can't wait for pauses. Well, it's because it's because the visuals are not that interesting to look at if someone's just talking. There's also not a great angle you could take onto our current setup. Also, we are surrounded by cardboard boxes. There are t-shirts. But also, there are microphones, like, literally just right in front of right our faces. Right in our faces. Mm-hmm. Yeah, where would you it put was, that? Camera? I mean, I'm literally looking. There's a microphone that is my, it's the entire height of my head, mm-hmm. right dead center on my face. We yeah. could see each other. Yeah, because we're, no we're on a triangle. Yeah. yeah. No one could see us. Uh, also, we would need a really <laughs> wide-angle camera because we're in a pretty small like a room. Fish eye. Yeah. So that would look great. It'd be a real I, gross video. It would no, be. we're talking about it. Well, we're if you think about, you know, a lot of the entertainment value of these videos, like we said, it comes from all these cuts. You know, it comes mm-hmm. from things always, like, moving around. And apparently on uh, on news news channels and stuff, even though they're just, like, telling you the news – Camera cuts happen every couple of seconds. Yeah. You know, they, they change angles. They change from one person to the other. 
And like that constant visual novelty is what keeps mm-hmm. you in there. If we just like dropped a camera in the corner and just it was just looking at us for an hour, I, don't know. I yeah. feel like that would be pretty good. It'd be mm-hmm. pretty amateur because I feel like the audio is good. You know what I mean? Yeah. But if you put the visuals in there now, the visuals aren't good. Oh so shit! What if all right? What if we made it mysterious? So like, put the camera there, but then like do some kind of a backlit thing. And kind of mask our voices mm, yeah, and make yeah, yeah. it seem like we're being interviewed on a crime show. Or shit, that would be just did the crime. It, just put it in black and white. Put it in black and white. Now it's classy. Now it's now classy it's and awesome. Because they didn't know about cuts. Or no, this is what we gotta do. Mm. GoPro headsets, so that all Ooh. three of us are wearing a GoPro headset. Looks so like everybody right at our faces, so that we then have the three heads like sitting Ooh, okay. up. Okay, right. no, then, attached to the microphone yeah. of all things. Well, yeah, you could do. It. And then whenever that person's talking, then you turn it on. Yeah. So that way it just auto cuts between everything. Have a fully rendered, perfectly cut video. And then during all those, most of the podcast while we're all talking at the same time, mm-hmm. then it, it then rapidly be, flashes back and forth. Yeah, super excited. I would put a GoPro on my tongue and that way only when I'm <laughs> speaking can you also uh-huh. see. And I feel like yeah. that's kind of a cool, mm, it's kind of a cool effect. Yeah. You know. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> but, but only while you're speaking and sticking your tongue as far out of your head as possible. Yes. Which is it's a very small GoPro. Which, uh, which, uh, that's how I talk though. Which so. sound, <laughs> but which sound in particular? I'm trying to, I'm, now as, a, as my tongue is moving, I'm trying to think of which sounds stick, cause me to stick my tongue out and I can't I don't think find one. Okay. Yeah, there's not. I did the, used to know somebody. The is one. I, yeah, I knew somebody who when they said the, their tongue would go out real weirdly far. I, I did know a person who did that. <laughs> he would like dart out. Like, yeah. Zit. The, like it was like they would really like get their teeth like all the way in the middle of their tongue somehow. I'd run risk of biting your tongue the, off. Yeah. The, yeah, that's a that's a tough move. Get <laughs> keep your tongue in the in the cage. Of keep your it. Teeth. Keep yeah. it. It would there. be pretty hilarious. Those teeth to are there for protection. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, the teeth. So change. we did do a our first ever coffee with butterscotch was a was a video and it is pretty spectacular. <laughs> How is it on? I think it's on our YouTube channel. We started as like we were going to do like a monthly video update, mm-hmm. basically. Um, where and at the time we did this was during <laughs> Quadrupus Rampage days. So Sam and Seth looked like literal babies. Yeah, this was like oh, yeah. this was seven, seven, seven years, years, seven ago. years ago. It was twenty thirteen. Uh, we're in my apartment six years ago, and I think the opening. Yeah, I think the opening was I was in the odd program, and I was like, Seth, do you want some coffee? <laughs> and you were like, Yes, yes. <laughs> it was great. Was and then we we looked up all the the wildly varying reviews of Quadrupus Rampage, and we read them. We read them. We did dramatic readings of reviews. Mm-hmm. Yep. So some were like people talking about how the game was so good that they threw up, and then another person talking about like the game was so bad that they wanted us to die. They wanted us to die. Yeah, and, you know, it was it was a, it was a roller coaster. Mm-hmm. We probably should do when Levelhead goes out some dramatic readings of uh, of Steam reviews. Oh yeah, I'm totally down. People are but, such dicks. It's but when you read out. the review, you got to also include the hours played. Yeah. It'd be like 193 hours played. Thumbs down. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get there. Uh-huh. We'll get there. Yeah. That's maybe that's like a, that's like a rite of passage is to make a game that people play so much that they, that hate, they it. hate it. That's mm-hmm. like, that's is this, this is one of those, you know, if you live long enough, you become the bad guy situation. I think so. Yeah. Was that just how video games no, I think work? what it is. It's That's that, everything works. It's that uh, thing about relationships where you got to be really careful where the things that you initially find endearing about a person are oftentimes the things that you end up hating about the person, like yeah. in the long term, you know? So same thing with like games. when you hate how endearing they are. Yeah. yeah That's like, the fuck job. Yeah. <laughs> have a spy, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. You can, you can take fault with anything you want. So yeah. I think it's probably the same with games, you know? 
you play for a thousand hours, you're like, everything I loved, I now hate about you. Yeah. That's it. You know too much. Mm -hmm. Yep. All right. Next question comes from Beaky Bapa Boop. What's one small thing that you've done or gotten that's made your life much better? I think I have already talked about my love for trays at some point (laughs) (laughs) long ago. They're great. Wait, what was the phrase of the question? It's what's one small thing that you've done or gotten done or gotten that's made your life much better? Done or gotten that's made my life much better. Blackout curtains, trays, blackout curtains, huge mug, a literal requirement to be They're alive. They're so good. Yeah, All right, yeah. Let's let's go down the list. All right, blackout curtains, <laughs> trays, large jugs for carrying liquids. Yeah, I've got a two. A I've got on. a two liter uh, water bottle. Mm-hmm. Only got to fill that thing up once a day. Beautiful. I Great. got a uh, a ThinkPad keyboard that I use for my desktop that has the nubbin. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. keyboard with a nubbin. I got Bluetooth a Bluetooth tiny keyboard by Artec. Which is awesome as well because you don't have to, it doesn't have anything attached. You can just like yep. slide it around as a tiny thing. I got and a, a Bluetooth mouse. I got Wonderful. a YubiKey, which is a, a mm. hardware two factor authentication device mm. thing. That means that I don't always have to have my cell phone with me to That's log into nice. things. Yep. Bungee so chair helps your entire body breathable. not be sweaty. Yeah. If you got a hot back, bungee chair. Uh, for me, a watch. Because mm. the, the more, the fewer reasons I have to take my phone out of my pocket, the happier I am. Yeah. If I can just know what time it is uh, without having to look at a phone and then all of a sudden I'm on YouTube. Mm, chapsticks for different places. Oh, yeah. I one for the yeah, office. I took those away everywhere. Oh, I thought you meant car. like different places on your body. Like, <laughs> 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 well, it is pretty that, dry out there. But. Some of that userin lotion for your face during the wintertime. Mm-hmm. Wonderful thing, you know? Just little things. Face lotion. Face lotion. Super good. good stuff. I think we got a good list. What's some others? What's I, know some others? I know there's some stuff that like around the house that I've That's what I'm trying to do, been really right. into, but I haven't a good vacuum. Yeah. Really. The important. Swiffer duster things. Those are awesome. Those are pretty good. The yeah. hand ones. Oh, mm-hmm. if you have, if you do any kind of outdoor stuff, there's a thing. I think it's just called like a weeder. Mm-hmm. <laughs> sure. It's basically like a long spike with two little prongs on the end of it. Oh yeah. You just and like if twist it in there. Yeah. If you've ever pulled weeds, like you just take this thing, you just like jam it in the ground and bleep, the weed just like fall, <laughs> like falls out of the ground. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. It's so, it's so great. We're stabbing weeds. Yeah. I mean, what's what else? Everyday, everyday stuff. I guess on that note too, a, a garden knife, which is basically like a really skinny shovel that's sharpened on one side and serrated on the other. Whoa. Yeah, like that fucking so thing. You can just do anything with yeah, it. Yeah, you can. So, so you can literally mm-hmm. just like you can cut a square of the of sod up and then like just yank it out, and then you can put a stone there. You know, that's nice. So you can just it's like tracing. Ooh. You know, so you can do that, or you can just get out what? really hard to get weeds. A garden yeah. knife. It's pretty fun. And it, oh, also, we all have uh, robot arms. Oh yeah. So it's I don't remember. I don't know what they're called, but it's basically it's a thing that you can mount to your desk, and then you put your monitor on it, mm-hmm. and then you can position it wherever you want. So if you find that, hey, my neck hurts from Mm. being at the computer and leaning forward like a weird vulture and trying to squint and get closer to my screen, you can just now take your screen and move it closer to your face and then sit with actually good posture. Mm -hmm. So that's that's been a life changer. Uh, LASIK. I like that a lot. It's not really a small thing. It's not a small thing. Well, it's a small thing. It doesn't. It's, it's a big purchase. <laughs> it operates on a. It's a big purchase. Yeah. It's an investment. But it though. happens very. Because think about yeah. how expensive glasses are and all these other shit. Honestly, I think, no I think those things are still it. cheaper over the it, long run. I don't know. I mean, LASIK gets a good like a ten year. Actually, maybe not because con- contacts are pretty fucking expensive. They're very expensive. Yeah. yeah. What, do you, what does a person spend a year on contacts? I, I would know. Mine were. Oh man, I don't know. I think it was like a hundred and ten bucks for like a four, four months, months or yeah, six right. months or something. 
my guy. That was something like. Oh, also, it's a couple hundred bucks a year. Good fitting jeans. Yeah. Mm, some with the elastic in them, so they're kind of like jeggings. Fucking stretchy jeans. Stretchy jeans. Yeah. I mean, I, I was always kind of on the on the camp of like, who cares? Bleh. I'm an American, and I don't care how I look. I wear my baggy, <laughs> my baggy '90s pants. I wear my baggy '90s pants, and then when I was like, you know what? I need to quit looking like a sack of garbage. I need, yeah, I need <laughs> I need to look like I me- I need to look like I meant to be here. Yeah, you yeah. know. And so the I, issue is like, is pra- properly fitting clothes in general? Oh, it's a life changer. Yeah. Uh, Such a confidence booster. Yeah. Ninja blender. I love that thing. We got one because I used to hate the one. I hate blenders because they make too much damn noise. But this one was a little quieter. But then also, still, I assume still it sounds like a jet engine. It still sounds like a jet engine, but a quiet jet engine. It uh, the top of it locks in place, so you can never turn it on when the lid isn't fully on. Which maybe is not a problem for you guys, but I've done enough stupid things <laughs> <laughs> that was a problem for me. And then it just bled. It's got three blades. So because of that, then the the rotor thing is actually a cylinder. Is not fun. It's easy. We have one of those, but because of the, because of the three the triple knives. Yeah, because the triple knives are stacked just far enough apart that it's easy to get in there, but not easy to get in there without touching the other ones. Yeah, you got you got yeah. it requires callus here. It it's called agility. the ninja because you need to be a ninja to, to clean, clean between mm-hmm. the blades. Oh, I yeah. love that thing though. I used to hate yes. making smoothies and stuff because it would take forever. Now, like, that thing's just like, it doesn't care. It doesn't, doesn't care at all. Anything. Put anything in there, it'll destroy it. But I do want to come back to stretchy, stretchy jeans. Okay. Though, yeah, because sure. that was, I don't, I think all the, all of them are doing it now, but there was this period of time where I went, because I, I go buy a new pair, you know, a new pair of jeans or a new set of jeans every like two years, roughly. Mm-hmm. Like when my, when the pair that I have start having crotch holes, and that's now time to upgrade. Yeah. Tell you now. And so from a few, all the jeans a few years ago, doing, yeah, stretching exactly. out. Yeah. Well, this is exactly <laughs> the problem, right? A few, a few years ago, suddenly uh, at American Eagle, which is where I think the only place I, that has jeans that fit me. So that's just mm-hmm. where I always get my jeans. Uh, they had these, they called them Extreme Flex. And I was like, the, whatever. I was just trying on some stuff, mm-hmm. you know? And so I put them on and I was like, oh my God. Did you because feel extreme? I felt extreme and flexible. <laughs> For uh, the first time. Yeah. Like, but it, it was just, I could do anything in these pants. Like, I mean, jeans are kind of not stiff exactly like good jeans. They're you know, pretty but they're, constraining. But they're kind of constraining. And especially if you want to use them to like work outside or even just like to go to work or mm-hmm. to, to do things. All of a sudden you kind of feel like you can't just like just run all of a sudden or you can't bend over really easily because you might rip a crotch hole in your mm-hmm. jeans, which I've just slowly done for all of my jeans that I've ever owned. <laughs> uh, that stretch. That stretch. Oh my God. It's amazing. Yeah. And um, I mean, my, I was always in the camp of like, I want, whenever I go get clothes or whatever, I'm just in now, boom, boom. I just want to like get in there, buy whatever size technically sort of matches my measurements. Mm -hmm. And then whatever the outcome is, that's what I'm just going to be dealing with for the next three years. And then finally I was like, nope, fuck this. And I actually like, I took a day, took a day and I went to like five different places and tried on a whole bunch of jeans. You found ones that actually fit. Found ones that really fit. And then, all, yeah, and all of a sudden now just everything's better. <laughs> yeah. Also, it is true. long decorative socks. Super all about it. <laughs> that's, a, that's a life changer. <laughs> yeah. Look at this. Look what's at this the, sock. Uh, what's the sort of like, uh, what's the outcome? It's just fucking fun in the morning. You look at, I got like 10 pairs of just, you just, just weirdly colorful guess, socks. Yeah. Mine isn't, isn't the decorative part, but it's the actually buying high quality socks. Yeah, that's also good. So, too. which is like, I like all my socks are wool now, or like these mm. weird wool hybrid things. So they um, breathe. So they, which I always thought, like, why the fuck would you want wool socks? Because like mm. you think they'd be itchy and you'd get super sweaty. Um, but now, like, I actually I put on cotton socks of a little while ago because I still had some old ones, you mm. know. 
And it was just like, I felt so terrible. I was like, oh my God, this is what my whole life used to be like, was, was wearing <laughs> these back. It's like cotton versus me undies. Exactly. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I think for me, the last thing is a white noise machine for mm. the sleeps. Yeah. For me, I just use a fan for that purpose, but I probably should get a white noise yeah. machine. Any, anything. Yeah. I've got one. Anything is sleep related. It's good. Yeah, it emits. Uh, yeah. I have like the blackout curtains and then the white noise machine. Earplugs. I got earplugs. My dog licks his lips. Makes me want to kill him. <laughs> <laughs> so I had to put earplugs in. I got some really, really good ones. I just buy the pack from Walgreens. Work super these, ones well. are, these ones are cheap, but they like, I don't know. There's something about them. Just, I think it's that they're easier to get because you have to like worm them all the way fucking into your, in your, into in your, your head. Skull. You know? yeah. And they're easier to worm in there and they mm. inflate faster and more and just a little bit better mm. than the ones I've had. Are so. they the green ones? No, they're actually like a huge jar of green ones. No, these ones are, they're actually bicolored, like super yellow and super kind of pinkish purple, which is oh, also okay. good butterscotch theming. So, nice. yeah. But oh, what about, uh, Self a cell phone battery. I oh, used yeah. to have one, but I don't care. If my I've got I've got for, one for when, for I'm, for when I'm traveling, yeah, especially for yeah. something like GDC. Yeah. If you just get like if you get a ten thousand milliamp hour battery, it's like it's pretty. It's, it's pretty true, good actually. size, but that that way you're just like I could do literally anything. Yeah, yeah, we got some luggage. Yeah, we got some luggage, and it came with the battery. So actually, I do. Yeah. We did actually take them with us whenever we travel now. But yeah, yeah that nice. that weird anxiety of like. What if my phone dies? I don't like it, so I don't want to use it. It's yeah. like having those rejuvenation potions in Diablo. You know, you're like, <laughs> yeah. save them for the boss. Save them for the boss fight. And then you get to your hotel at the end of the day, and you still have ninety three percent battery because mm-hmm. you never, never use. You it. didn't play you games on the plane. You yep. didn't do anything. You didn't even look at it. You know, yeah. my, my battery life, on my phone is also garbage by now because it's a like a three or four year old. You got phone. an S, it's an S six. Six. Yeah, that, right? you're almost yeah four generations old yeah. now. And so its battery life is really not great. So it's sort but, of a great grand phone. Yes. But all I, is, if I, have, I have my little uh, my little battery phone case thing that just mm-hmm. makes my phone like twice as thick as it normally is. But uh, but with that thing, it'll last basically a whole day, actually. Like a legit wake up, use it heavily, go to bed kind of a full day, um, despite the fact that the internal battery doesn't do jack shit. And so that means yeah. I get to still keep this phone yeah. for the foreseeable future. It's really just yeah. the batteries that's the problem most yeah. of the time. Our next question comes from Captain Jazz. Who appropriately asks, Adam, <laughs> according to your LinkedIn page, you list one of the societies you were a part of back in university was Chicago Men's Acapella. Mm-hmm. Care to give us a sample of what went down up there? A sample of what went down. So they want us. Captain Jazz wants you to. You want, uh, you want to beat like this? <laughs> get you, get you go. a few bars uh, for us. <laughs> yeah, I, I haven't. Basically, since college, because in college I did a lot. Of, I did a lot of singing like in high school and choir and all that stuff. And then uh did various choral things as well as acapella groups in college and then like singing lessons and the whole works. And then basically stopped singing after that because uh when you have a place where you can go, where everybody is singing, you know, it makes, makes it less sense. weird. But the problem is that's how I feel about swimming. Yeah. Yes. And yeah. swimming is hard to do anyway. Cause you gotta go find a place with a pool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but it's easier to sing I mean, equipment wise. <laughs> yeah. But, but the problem is actually, it's weirdly not though, because if you, if you are living in a city, yeah, then you have so you know most of my life until we got our house finally um, a few years ago was spent with shared walls with randos, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, you don't want to just so, be belting. Yeah, out so you can't ballads. you can't practice music at home, but you can just you just can't. And even now, since I'm still yeah, I've got a house, but it's in the city, and my my one of my neighbors' house is literally like three feet away mm-hmm. from you know mine. Um, and like, it's sound dampened enough that like I could, and honestly, nobody would care, but it's the fact that people could can hear, hear. like, I know people could just like walking mm-hmm. down the street, walking their dogs. Like they would just be able to hear me in my, 
and practicing the, the shitty parts because that's how you get good. Yeah. So, so as a consequence, I basically just literally, it was like, it was a core part of my life for most of the sort of transformative years. And then Through I college. stopped. Yeah. That was the same yeah. for me with swimming. Swimming Sorry. was a huge deal. And then in college, there was, uh, there was no sw- swim team. This was part of that. Like at the university, they needed to balance out the, um, the men's and women's sports mm. and men had football, which had like a million people in it. Yep. And so then they had to cut basically every other man, men's sport. So they cut like baseball, they cut golf, they oh, wow. cut swimming, they cut everything. And then they, and then they had to shore up and they were adding like women's rugby, like all kinds mm. of other things. So basically as, as a guy, if I wanted to do any kind of college athletics at the school I was going to, I had football. That's it. Like football, basketball. I think that was Which it. Which has been funny because now every time they've called you to ask for money, you've just given them shit. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> About yeah, well, because what, what I also knew was that the football team was losing five million dollars a year from that uh, from that it's school. Crazy. Uh, so you know, I was like, no. Mm-mm. If you before you ask me for a donation, maybe get your own shit in order. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. In terms of your finances. <laughs> um, but yeah, so like I w- I would have liked to do swimming, but there's no option. So I started up a swim club there and and kind of ran that for for a while and had maybe 20 people coming to swim and it was it was pretty fun and like we tried to host meets and stuff but there were no other like there was nobody to swim against yeah yeah you know and there there were master swim programs around but you know there were it's weird it was just weird yeah, the yeah. competitive well, it, scene just kind of disappears in swimming yeah um well it was fun that because that, that acapella group i co-founded with uh, a few other people who were taking voice lessons from the same teacher um which i think was my sophomore year of college and that group still exists. Yeah, it's cool. it's got like 30 people in it. Like when we started it, we had eight of us, I think. Um, and and now it's got 30 people. I don't think – I think – and literally nobody in there knows that like – knows who the founding members were, you know, because mm-hmm. we didn't we – we're it's not like a frat, so it doesn't have the same kind right. of like yeah. history really. Um, but it's just it, but a it has, thing. But it has enough there. of that because I – because, you know, there's like an alumni newsletter where right. they – you know, every year they ask for some money, but then also say like here's our – our final concert of the year. We want all the alumni to come, you know, and they do have, there's a, there's a, there's a school fight song from like the twenties or whatever called strong for Chicago. Cause that's the school that I went to. Yeah. And, uh, and apparently at the end of, of, of all their concerts where they do invite the alumni, they have that song very last and they invite oh. the alumni to come up and sing it with them, you know? And of course I probably do not remember the lyrics to it at yeah. this point. Um, basically <laughs> you, I haven't, I haven't gone back to one of those uh, yet, but it's, it's one of the things I definitely am going to do at some yeah, point. Yeah. Um, but it, it is kind of funny because every once in a while I get an email from somebody over there, like try, like they're trying to figure out who's responsible. Because I actually used to own the their website oh. until literally this year when and like and, and, and <laughs> someone called. They're like, "Can we get? That? Yeah, Can we and, have that?" And they didn't they didn't know who owned it, right? Because I basically mm-hmm. all I did was I just pointed it to some to some place that that one of like somebody from I think four years ago or something or five years ago. Uh, had put a website together and they were like, Hey, can you, do, can you point the domain to the new place right. of the thing? And so I was like, cool, I'll just do that. So basically every year I just pay for it. And then just, it just sits <laughs> that there. was your donation too. <laughs> yeah, that was my donation every year. And, uh, but, but literally like nobody knew over there because like mm. they didn't know that I existed. They didn't, you know, so it was, it's kind of this funny, uh, old legacy thing that just every once in a while reads its head again in this sort of entertaining way. Yeah. Um, but now that I've given up ownership of the site back to the actual group, now, now you're, now you're no cut off. Now yeah. I'm completely cut off. Yeah, man, you were you were you were a singer. I did a lot of singing. You sung. Yeah. You sang. Did you ever get over the sort of self conscious aspect of it? Uh, I did enough because actually I enjoyed it quite a bit. Yeah. Um, and I was never I was never so good that I was doing solos. Um, but I was good enough that I was always like 
I would have if there wasn't this one guy who was always there, you know, sort of, <laughs> right. sort of situation. Good, so, uh, good second string. Yeah, exactly. Sort of it's kind of like always a, like a, you know, good second string sort mm-hmm. of uh, position, uh, which is kind of fun because you get to kind of like be behind the scenes a bit, uh, but then still get to feel like you're really contributing to the, yeah. to the group effort, you know? So, yeah. Uh, so I really, I mean, I really, really enjoyed it. Um, but, uh, no samples today. No okay. samples. It's just, it's just been too long. You know? I, can't, I can't pull that out of the my problem. Head. Is you know the samples they've been fermenting. They're, they've been sitting there in barrels for mm-hmm. yeah, and not in the good de- way for though. a decade now. And yeah, yeah. they're not they're not uh, aging like a fine wine. No, it's, it's more bacterial than yeasty. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> next mm-hmm. question yep. comes from Creator Red A. Have you ever gotten a business card from someone that you actually used? On a related note, what are your opinions on self-promotion? Uh, yes, in that when we go to GDC, yeah. I collect business cards and I come home. I email everybody who I collected a business card from and say, hey, it was nice to meet you, et cetera. Uh, then I throw the business cards away. Yep. And then roughly one out of like four to ten yeah. of those people that I email, email me back. And now those people end up in my like list of people that I know. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, so that's, that's the that's use of a business it. card. And we did do – we did compile all of our – business contacts at one point into a big system when we were yeah. going to be doing our own PR stuff. But that proved that was, I mean, it's a super useful thing to do, but we didn't, we just decided list, not to do it. Well, I think the list do. ended up not having a lot of value. Cause people turn over and cause the turnover is too high. Yeah. So, yeah. Actually we're just, somebody was asking in the, in the discord, if we were going to, if we would be consider going to Xbox and all this kind of stuff. And mm-hmm. I was just, so I came in there and I was like, yeah, the problem is that we don't know anybody over there. You know, like we used yeah, to. We, we used did. to know people at Xbox, and now every single of those people we knew, there were there were four people involved with mm-hmm. with us talking with them about Crashlands. Uh, now, what was that? I guess three. No, two, probably two only only ago. two years ago. Yeah. Like, so not that long ago. And literally every single one of them is now in different departments of Microsoft yeah. that have nothing to do with Xbox. Yeah, there's that Monty Python uh, sketch where they talk about building a castle in the swamp, and they're like, "We built the first castle, and it sank into the swamp. But the second castle, and that one sank it, in. Then the third one fell over, burned down, then sank into the swamp. <laughs> but the fourth one stayed up. You know, it's like that's what it feels actually, like. It's exactly what it feels. So like. it feels like building relationships with these giant companies because every year, every year, it just fucking yeah. it just sinks into the swamp. And, some, <laughs> and sometimes they don't pass you along, which is the weirdest one. Never. Uh, which I that's I actually get. never happened. Yeah, I, I get think, because like yeah. there's they have so many devs to usually to correspond with that if we yeah. had talked if we weren't actively talking to them within like the three week period before they decided to like you know horizontally move or whatever the hell's and during the three week period that that person was working in that department yeah you know, <laughs> right then, uh, <laughs> well it seems to be <laughs> that, that on average so we do have two of our of our of our people that we that we know from different companies have been there the whole time yes um, although one of them started to kind of move a little bit which is getting a little mm-hmm. disconcerting um but then the other ones have literally been like a six month turnover yeah. where we'll, we'll finally, we'll finally get a hold of somebody. We'll chat, have great conversations and things are looking just absolutely wonderful. And then we email them again, maybe two months later and they're like, Oh, oh yeah. yeah, I don't work there anymore. Or they just, there is no response because they've left and their email address yeah. isn't even the yeah. same. Or, or yeah, the worst is, is, Oh yeah, I'm not in that department anymore. And we're like, can you point us to who is and like, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know who that is. Yeah. Great. Cool. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> cool. Thanks. Yeah. And that's the weird thing about working on these longer timescales too, because the games take, you know, it's taken a year to get level head to this point now. Um, it basically, basically be like a year, you know, almost in a half before the game comes out. Yeah. To- total dev time. And then from that point to launch, we're, you know, we're planning on being in early access as long as we need to, but it's probably going to be between four and 12 months. So who knows as far as that. And so you have to build these relationships and then sustain them through the duration of the projects so that you can actually, you know, do whatever you're trying to do from a business standpoint. And so cycling through two to four people over the course of one game's life's, time of development 
uh, it's just a little rough in terms of doing yeah. this business stuff. It never gets easier. It's the thing that's the same. Adam and Eric talked about this last week. Um, it doesn't seem to actually get easier for us yet. So no. Nope. <laughs> no, it does not. Yeah, and I don't know when it will. I don't know if it will. I mean, part of our pl- – It might not ever well, – I think, yeah, I think part of the problem is that if you're if you're coming from these really big companies where the ones who are actually putting your work out, you know, the storefronts, uh, they just don't – they don't give a fuck because yeah. they don't need to, you know, because like – Well, I feel like individual people might, right? Yeah, but, but, the, but the company, the company is not. Yeah. I don't, I don't think that like dev – I don't think developer relations are at the forefront of any one of the companies. No, they're absolutely if, not. If that makes sense. Yeah. And so because it's not like but a pillar. what is? It's surprising you know? <laughs> because we make them <laughs> money. We make all, them all the money. All of the stuff. Like, yeah. Well, that, that's the problem of the the abundance of supply. That's what it is. Yeah. Is that is that developer relations like with a capital D and a capital R mm-hmm. as like a thing, as an overarching thing is, is going to be important in the sense that they don't want to piss off developers right. like, as a holistic group. Yeah. They don't uh, have to care too much if they have a good enough monopoly. Uh, yeah. They don't have to care that much. Um, and also they don't have to care that much about individual developers. Mm-hmm. You know, um, They don't care if any one game succeeds or fails. What they care about is the global revenue on their, yeah, on their platform. Um, so that kind of, that kind of brings in, in sort of a weird asymmetrical incentives mm-hmm. uh, situation in, in some cases. So I don't know. Uh, all right. Next question comes from, Mopate Flatunk. Nice. Mm-hmm. These random names are great. <laughs> uh, hey, brethren of the butter-flavored scotches, does Seth still stream on the weekends? I was following it for a while and just kind of fell off. I went looking for it today and am dismayed that I cannot find a trace of Seth's streaming or of the game that he was working on. Is there an archive of the videos somewhere? Is there? No. So <laughs> so basically what happens is Does Twitch drop them after like 30 days or something? Yeah, you need to be a partner on Twitch to to keep those archives. Um mm. and to become a partner, you have to stream on seven unique days in a one month period. Um and you need to like reach a certain follower threshold. They have all these markers. Sure. And I hit all of them except for the stream on seven unique days. Cause I just wanted to stream on Saturday mornings. Right. And by doing that, no matter apparently no matter how many people would have watched or anything, if I didn't do it for three other days in a one month period, then I would never. Mm. So I never did it. Uh, you do it two two times a week, basically. You have to do it twice a week for a month, basically. Right. Yeah. Uh, so. So yeah, they're gone. They're just gone. <laughs> uh, they're never coming back. I actually did. Uh, I think migrate a couple of them to YouTube, but then mm. and they're they're still private. But it's weird because a lot of the stream is, is interaction like, is interaction yeah. between like someone would ask a question and then, then I would talk with the people in chat. Mm-hmm. But then if chat and chat wasn't on screen or anything. And so, right. So it's just like, it was like me just talking to myself like a weirdo yeah. for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, it was, it was definitely fun to do, but it was also very exhausting. Yeah. It's tiring. Like, cause, cause programming is hard. Uh, doing it in front of an audience is even harder. harder. And then also I was doing it on Saturday, like my entire Saturday morning, every Saturday for a couple months was also gone. Mm-hmm. So trying to make sure that that like always fits in the schedule was, was a bit much. Uh, so I, I don't know if I'll do it again. It was fun. But I don't know if I'll do it again in any kind of consistent way. As far as the game, it's still there. Like it's still in, in our uh, bit bucket. Space bump. Space bump. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's. I would say it's coming along, but it hasn't moved at all because I was only developing it while streaming. It came along for a while. It came along. Uh, all right, we got time <laughs> for one last question, which is from Serrator. I've heard about this memory palace technique you explained, but never tried it yet. Do you think 
that it could also work twice. You said you memorized your principles when walking from the parking lot to the office. Would you have to choose a different route when memorizing another list of things to prevent mixing up the two lists? Mm. Or does it work for lists that change on a daily basis like grocery lists? So, so basically, like, when does this thing work? It Is works the, very – it actually works very well for what you would – what doesn't actually exist, but what you would call medium-term memory, right? Which is stuff you need to hold on to for a while, but that's totally fine to forget after a while, like a grocery list. So I use it all the time, actually, I'm getting groceries. If the list is short enough, like less than 10 items, then I do one through my car. That I don't have to look at my phone because I hate looking at my phone. So I just take like a minute before I go into the grocery store and then go in. Um, so it does actually, you can you can reuse stuff all the time with yeah. it. One of my advanced um, uh, memory techniques for groceries is a, uh, make a list on paper. It's <laughs> uh-huh. one way to do it. I call it a memory paper. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I use Google Keep on my phone because it's a shared thing so that then my wife and I can both put things on the list and both take things back off the list. Google if one of us are shopping. Keep. Google Keep. Google it's just Keep. a to-do list, but it's just like, it's just already on the phone. So, oh yeah, I just hate looking at my phone. I also don't want to cop. We have my wife and I keep our lists in like a workflowy grocery mm-hmm. list thing, but I don't want to look at it. So usually she'll just send me a picture of it and I'll just think about it and then go into the grocery store. I think the thing that's funny about those that this whole like, well, I haven't tried it yet. It's like literally try to memorize like five things uh, with your car or with your apartment or something like that. It does. It takes shockingly little time and effort. It seems like a big thing, but it shakes. It, I guarantee you it takes way less energy. Than that's you true. Think. Yeah. When we were doing the memory palace for the studio principles, Sam just was like, all right, listen to this. And then he just sort of walked through it and he was mm-hmm. like okay tell me the principles and then i was like boop, 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 boop. <laughs> just one after the other yeah in the correct order and everything so generating them of course is 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 takes slightly more effort when you're actually coming up with whatever the weird mental image is but it's it's honestly not that hard and it makes a lot of things way easier and just honestly more fun it's like i don't want to go to the grocery store and just be looking at a phone constantly and you know all that so i just put it in there and then then go. Also, then I forget it by the time speaking of interesting sort of like ways to come up with analogies of how space and time relate to mm. things, uh, we've we came up with this cool calendar in our studio, which is we got a deck of cards. Mm, yeah, because it turns out that there's the, the same jet black deck of cards. yeah. There's the same number of weeks in a year as there are de- uh, uh, cards in a mm-hmm. in a standard deck. Every now and then there's like an extra week because of the way the days land, but that's a joker. So that's fine. It's fine. Like you, yep. got, you got the joker weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So it's actually given us an interesting perspective on the year because we now have this deck of cards up on the wall. And so we know – and like the each suit is a quarter, mm-hmm. right? So, mm-hmm. so we're now like we're nearing the end of spades. We're now on the 10 uh, – we're on the 10 of spades. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just a very interesting – yeah, like coming come up with these these ways to kind of revisualize, you know, space and time kind of helps you think about things. It helps you keep things in perspective. I think is the big part. So, like, we at the end of every week, we write like whatever the major things that happened that week were on it on um, the card. Yeah, and we did this with sticky notes last year, and it proved to be just it's just a good way to at a at a glance Get just a synopsis of the year. Yeah, like how far are we into this year? And then we like with the sticky notes, we actually would change the colors of ones where it was like, oh, we're going to GDC, or this is you know. The team summer break or Thanksgiving break, whatever. So you can see, like, oh, we're three weeks away from that thing. Just yeah. like, just look at the wall; you can see it right there. Yeah. So I, I really enjoy that sort of thing. I think it's, it's all about making those, making time more visible, so you can make better decisions about it. It's like the DevOps; you got to mm-hmm. make your work visible. Mm-hmm. Yep. By sometimes turning it into a weird imagination land. Yep. Or slapping it up on the wall. Turns out it's real good. Yeah. All right, well, that's all the time we have for this week. We'd like to thank our producer Fat Bard for making us sound good. Thanks to our community moderators who keep our Discord running. 
To get more involved in the Butterscotch community, go to podcast.bscotch.net, where we have merch, uh, links to the Discord, and all kinds of other great stuff over there. Uh, we also have uh, tickets for Shenanicon are now available at meet.bscotch.net. Mm-hmm. Either spelling is fine, mm-hmm. yep. uh, the food or the verb. So head on to meet.bscotch.net, and you can get your tickets to uh, to come to St. Louis and then uh, to meet us in September. So, I think it's September. Yeah. September. Whatever We've already sold two tickets. These things are flying are, off the shelves. They're flying. Uh, so, you know, get in there. Get in there and get those tickets. Uh, thank you all for listening, and we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.